Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. SoonerCon. Central Oklahoma's longest-running pop culture convention is back. SoonerCon 31 is scheduled for June 30th through July 2nd, 2023 in Norman, Oklahoma. It promises a weekend full of tabletop gaming, cosplay, and appreciation for literary sci-fi as well as TV and comics. Visit SoonerCon.com for more information. The Hellmouth Convention. The Hellmouth Convention is designed by fans for fans, with the aim of harnessing the power of fandom to raise money for charities. The Hellmouth Convention celebrates all fandoms, but particularly things like Buffy, Firefly, and Dr. Horrible. Like the Hellmouth itself, things gravitate toward it that you may not find anywhere else. The next event is scheduled for June 9th through 11th, 2023, in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. I really enjoy talking about retro games, specifically things like the Game Boy. I've done that before on the show, but I don't do it very often because I find it difficult to, to locate guests who want to talk about it on the level I do. There are lots of podcasts out there that talk about the nitty-gritty of each specific game or have four-hour conversations about strategy, and it, I strongly advise you to seek out those podcasts if that's what you're looking for. That's not really why I'm here. I'm looking to talk more about the cultural connections that we have with these games, the fact that a lot of us grew up with them, that we built our travel plans around having these games, or that we had social events plans around these games. I like to look at the community and the history aspect of it. Today I have a guest on named David Giltonen, who is working on a book that will be showcasing the Game Boy and the Virtual Boy. And I love these historical guides. I love these texts. So let's get started with David right now. On tap today, we have David Gilton. And how are you doing this fine day? I'm doing all right. And uh, I'll, I'll thank you also for uh, for uh, pronouncing my last name correctly, because a lot of people don't tend to get that. So you know you. what? <laughs> my name is a butchered form of Polish, so I get a lot of mispronounced names, too. I try really carefully to get people's names right. It's a well, thing. I super appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's always like the European names that tend to kind of get like mangled. <laughs> so I, you came to my attention. I mean, I followed your stuff for a while, but you announced a Kickstarter book that I am really stoked about. Mm-hmm. It's a video game reference book on the Virtual Boy and the Game Boy. Correct. Yes. And then, I mean, I love these books are coming out. A lot of them are really, really well done. But what attracted me to yours was that these are some deeper cuts than we're used to. Correct. Yeah. I mean, especially with the virtual boy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there, 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 there tends not to be a whole lot of love for the virtual boy. And it's kind of the opposite way for the Game Boy. Like everyone loves the Game Boy. Um, everyone and their grandmother uh, literally uh, had a Game Boy at the time. So uh, and, you know, and obviously with like the virtual boy, I think its library was about like 22 games <laughs> like in total. So. Uh, it's, um, it's really, really cool to having, um, the coverage for both of those, uh, consoles really. So, yeah, I'm going to confess my bias right now. I do not love the virtual boy in an ironic sense. I love it wholeheartedly. I had oh. one when it was brand new. I paid full price. I was that dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I get why the rest of the world didn't like it, but I love that system and I will defend it to the debt. Awesome. Well, um, I guess if I can uh, turn the tables on you a little bit, uh, what is it about the Virtual Boy, I guess, that made you most excited when it first came out? Well, 
it was an extension of a style of game I was already very fond of. I loved Nintendo style. I loved a lot of the, the ideas they were coming up with. And this was a time when 3D gaming was a very new thing. And they didn't, there was no blueprint to how it was going to get done. We eventually came up with this polygonal textured model where you made these 3D worlds and that, you know, what the PlayStation and the N64 did. But there was no reason that had to be the way things went. The stereoscopic 2D visions, I think, could have been just as good. And I liked the way it played out. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, and obviously, like being kind of like the, uh, precursor in a way of like what we're seeing now with like, you know, with like Oculus and uh, HTC, you know, HTC Vive and uh, PSVR and all that stuff. It's kind of like a precursor to all that. Now, you know, obviously it wasn't like putting you necessarily like in a 3D world, uh, at least not for the most part. Um, probably the closest thing to that was uh, the Telero Boxer game, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but, you know, but even then it's not like you're actually like moving around in a 3D space uh, in that case. So, uh, it might have been like kind of like one of those things that was like ahead of its time and maybe something that Nintendo maybe hoped to kind of build off of, like almost like a prototype of sorts. But mm-hmm. um, I guess because of the reaction to it and how, um, you know, how it did in the marketplace uh, when it released. And um, I guess like Nintendo's unwillingness really to kind of go, you know, even further with it, uh, you know, proved to be like its death knell, unfortunately. Um, otherwise, the concept behind it was definitely really, really cool. The concept was great. I think the potential was definitely there, especially because, like I said, the other forms of 3D took off so quickly after that. I I can imagine if you had a a racing game or a first-person shooter, the the genres that worked in 3D well, we never really got to try on the Virtual Boy. And I'm not saying that would have changed the story, but it would have been an experiment worth running. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it was like an uphill battle regardless, just because of just the visual style of it anyway, and having like just black red sort of display for every single game right there in your eyes. And, you know, I guess also too, like, just like the setup because like I had like the stand and you had to put it like, basically like, you know, if you have like a table right here, you put it like right there at the table and you're like leading in, you know? So it's, I don't like, it it felt like it was, uh, it just had like a lot of um, caveats behind it. I think just didn't really fit into like a lot of people's gaming style, I suppose. Yeah. That was, I think the biggest problem. The people said that the, the headaches and, and this and that, the bottom line was it wasn't a portable. It wasn't a set top console. It was this weird thing that wasn't either. Mm. And that's never worked. The closest we came was like the Vectrix and that didn't do well in its own day either. True. Yeah. And that's a good comparison actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the first person to say it, so I'm not going to take any credit for that, but yeah, it, <laughs> And I love the Virtual Boy, but I'm also a big fan of the Game Boy. And the Game Boy, like you said, everybody loved it, but Nintendo doesn't seem to acknowledge it very much. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like in terms of like their retro consoles, certainly. Um, I mean, they certainly focus more on, let's say, like the NES or the SNES, especially. Um, you know, the N64, they're starting to kind of like show it some love with its addition to uh, to the Nintendo Switch Online service as well. You know, so um they definitely focus more on those other consoles um i guess out, out of all the portable consoles throughout their history they probably show the most love to the game boy advance uh, at least from what i've gathered but uh it, it is kind of interesting though just because like the game boy was that first like truly big success after the nes obviously um but the first truly uh like i guess like portable success after the game and watch series awesome yeah and 
it's the system they i remember they have a lot of game boy games on the 3ds when the 3ds had its own eShop. they haven't opted to put those on the switch in any way shape or form and for some strange reason <laughs> yeah people are begging for those games literally and they're hacking their systems because they can't get them any other way i mm-hmm. still carry around my game boy advance because it's my go-to i'm going to get an analog pocket when the time comes mm. it's i don't understand why nintendo doesn't put more emphasis on the the nostalgia for it it's almost like nintendo hates money <laughs> i think so sometimes i mean i've made the argument and uh you know this guy ties into it really that uh nintendo should really just carve out a part of their business to be devoted to retro consoles to like their retro line of like you know games and consoles and all that stuff and make like retro merchandise like all that stuff like pixel art mario pillows or whatever you know just like have like a like a dedicated part of your business be just all retro gaming stuff mm-hmm. and um that would just make a killing i mean you saw like what happened when the nes classic came out when the snes classic came out uh they had limited supplies of those and they had to make like you know new um was it new iterations of them or new like waves of them uh, in order to keep up with the demand and um yeah i mean i it's it just Blows my mind that Nintendo just doesn't go like full bore into that as far as like a part of their company. And obviously still, you know, do like your newer stuff with the Nintendo Switch and all. But I mean, to not like really lean in considering how much nostalgia people have for old Nintendo stuff, it, it you know, it just boggles me. Yeah. I think they're starting to do that in an unofficial capacity because looking at the internal stuff that they're, they're circulating around and some of the, the higher end products they release for collectors, they're leaning on those nostalgia notes a lot more than they did about 10 years ago. It's yeah. Like- I mean, um, I guess like, a, yeah, on like an unofficial basis, since they're starting to open up more to third parties as far as like working with them uh, for mm-hmm. that stuff, I guess like more on, on an official basis, because, you know, Nintendo tends to be more like control freaks as far as like other uh, game companies are concerned. Um, you know, so I figure like on like a first person standpoint um, or first party standpoint that they would, uh, I guess I want to do more than just have, you know, retro games tied to their subscription model, which, you know, Nintendo tends to be like a little bit behind the curve anyway when it comes to anything online. So, um, so we'll see like how far that goes and if they'll do anything more, but um, I'm not really banking on it, like aside from the subscription model. Yeah. But that's where you come in. You're supplying something that they don't seem too eager to supply themselves as, as a, <laughs> can you describe exactly how much information you're packing into this new book? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, basically it is, it is going to be covering the, uh, like all the games basically from, uh, you know, from the Game Boy and from the Virtual Boy. Uh, I believe it's, um, it's definitely over a thousand titles in total. Uh, I think it's like a thousand seventy eight, I believe is the, uh, official number. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's basically going to be doing coverage for all those games. There's going to be reviews for games as well, which I'll be writing, uh, for that. And, uh, for the most part, I'll be, basically taking what's like the original French since the, um, the company Geek Slime Publishing is a French company. And uh, I've worked with them before for their NES book, uh, which a lot of people seem to really enjoy, um, especially since like previous Geek Slime games, they had like some issues as far as like sentence structure and just, you know, good English <laughs> effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I was, I was contacted by, uh, by like the lead uh, over at Geek Slime. And, um, you know, he was very happy with how the NES book uh, came out reached out to me later on, uh, wanted to work on a Game Boy book, and then he attached a Virtual Boy to that as well. And um, I believe there was supposed to be um, multiple editions for that, like where it was kind of like separated, but he figured it made more sense just to have the one ultimate edition effectively of Game Boy and Virtual Boy. So 
it'll be it'll be basically doing coverage of yes the games but also like the consoles and how they were made and like the thinking behind them um you know at, like you know especially at the time and uh, like a lot of like nitty-gritty into like the technology of uh you know behind each console as well so yeah so you're writing these reviews entirely yourself you're translating some from uh from the original french mm-hmm Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, so most of the book will be uh, basically me retranslating or, uh, you know, improving upon the English uh, from the original translation uh, from the original French, effectively. So um, but otherwise, like there will be uh, exclusive reviews in there, which I'll be reviewing uh, Game Boy games. And um, I'm not sure if uh, Virtual Boy books or Virtual Boy uh, games will be uh, included with those reviews. But I know at the very least, like one really cool thing with the Virtual Boy aspect is that uh, the um, the book sets will come with uh, 3D glasses, effectively, mm -hmm. like the old school 3D glasses. And uh, there will be uh, screenshots of Virtual Boy games that will be affected by that. So you can affect, you know, so you can actually like enjoy what the Virtual Boy brought without having to own a Virtual Boy yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely a concern because the biggest problem with the Virtual Boy these days is just getting the hardware to work correctly. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the case for a lot of old hardware, but uh, yeah, especially so for the virtual boy. <laughs> yeah. So were you approached to do this project? Did you jump in with both feet? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, because like I said, um, you know, I've, wor I've worked with the company before for their NES book and, um, you know, they were very happy with how that turned out. Uh, a lot of people who uh, who bought that book uh, were also very happy with uh, how it was like, you know, I, I made sure to kind of pay attention to the feedback, especially compared to the previous book since I had their uh, their N64 book and their SNES book uh, before coming on board uh, for this project. And um, it really was just kind of like a happenstance thing. Like I think uh, uh, Gene, uh, who's like the uh, the lead over there of, uh, at GeekSline, he reached out to me on Facebook back when I was still on Facebook <laughs> and, um, you know, just like a random DM basically and be like, hey, like, you know, I like your writing. I've seen your, your stuff before. Uh, would you like to come on board for this NES book? And I was like, sure. And that was like 550 pages of, you know, mm -hmm. just like a few months, basically kind of going through all that. So it was a lot of work, but it was definitely very satisfying work. And, um, you know, I was really happy with the end result of it. And um, yeah. And so basically, um, like a number of years later, uh, that's when he reached out to me again, be like, hey, we're planning to do a Game Boy book and, uh, you know, the Natting Virtual Boy and just kind of going over details uh, slowly over time. And uh, now we'll actually start um, uh, putting our noses to the ground and working on the book uh, starting beginning of uh, beginning of August. So, yeah, very soon. <laughs> I brought this up in another issue uh, episode a while back now that one of the things that I love about the Game Boy and the Game Boy is like actually the only retro console I actively collect for these days. I was originally an NES guy and I was going to get every game and that that just became a non-priority. But I still buy a lot of Game Boy games. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And and what I think of is that back then, people would look at Game Boy people as weird because we were running around and we had our Game Boy and we were playing it <laughs> and we were in our own little world with the rest of the world around us. And they thought we were weird. And now everybody's going around with one of these things here. Right. <laughs> the Game Boy people were way ahead of that curve. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it is funny how times change like that and expectations change and um I mean, like it just goes to show as far as like, you know, technology in general, like how much it shapes uh, society and cultures and, you know, people's habits and all that stuff is, yeah, I mean, everyone has one of these now. Uh, everyone has, you know, has iPads. Everyone has, um, or not, you know, not, not everyone, but like more and more people are getting like virtual reality too. And I've been actually seeing 
uh, more video or pictures of people taking um, of like people on like trains, for example, or like public transportation in general with virtual reality headsets on. And it's just like, wow, like, you know, that's like taking it to like a next level now at this point. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll like reserve judgment on it, but like, it is interesting to notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like back nowadays, if you ask somebody to look at, if you look at their phone, they're like, wait, what are you going to be looking at in there? It, because that is such a personal thing. And the Game Boy people were looked at as being just the, these weird little recluses. And, and I'm looking at this now, I probably should probably point out that my phone actually has a virtual boy case on it because. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I just noticed that. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah, no, I, like it's it's very interesting. This the yeah, again, like how how technology um, you know shapes human behavior, I guess, in that sense. And we're only seeing it more and more these days. As uh, you know, we're like basically we're all becoming reclusives uh, together in a sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons that you making these kinds of books and and anybody who's worked on these kinds of projects really needs a pat on the back because we're we're trying to find the common threads that connect us when maybe social pressures are pushing us far apart into our little devices, mm-hmm. we're, we're remembering that there is a social reason we're doing these things and we do get something out of it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I can, I, cause I can certainly say at least in terms of this book and geek sign books in general, cause um, you know, th- this is, this isn't going to be like too different, I guess, like, uh, you know, if you're familiar at all with geek signs uh, books, like in general, like they're very exhaustive looks like historical text really uh looking back on whatever console that that particular book happens to be covering so you're going to know everything as far as like you know what went into making the game boy and the virtual boy all the ins and outs um you know documents uh you know like all that stuff basically is very very exhaustive uh, as far as like geek science books are concerned so if you're interested in uh, you know just like retro gaming history uh you know geek sign really does provide like some of the best resources for that and that's one of the reasons why I originally came on board for the NES book back then and uh, why I was excited to jump on board for this Game Boy and Virtual Boy uh, sets. So, um, yeah, it's just really, really cool work. And, uh, you know, they're, they're really awesome people like to work with as well. So, um, you know, I think the, anyone who's like, you know, really interested in the consoles that are covered by their books, I would, you know, implore you to, 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 uh, to check out Geekslime Publishing for, uh, for, you know, for more of their stuff because uh, it, it is really some of the best books uh, in terms of game history and like, you know, the most exhaustive look into these games and their consoles. So let's say, let's, let's try to, to boost this a little bit here. Um, we're looking at, we're having a conversation with somebody who remembers the NES, they remember the Game Boy. They don't, they haven't really paid attention for the past 30 years though. That mm. part of their life is in the past. You have this comprehensive look at the history. What's a fact that they might read in this book that might jog their memory and say, oh, wow, that that's affected my life in a way I don't know about. And Maybe I should read about this more. Sure. Um, I mean, certainly in regards to the Game Boy, because I, you know, I, I don't have like the text in front of me, and uh, you know, I, I should be getting the text very, very soon though uh, from uh, from Geeksline uh, to work on. But um, in terms of what I know that is on there, uh, if you have any sort of like you know interest in just like the mechanical side of the consoles and like how, you know what makes them run. Um, you know, and like how like Nintendo basically approached like making these consoles, you know, especially in regards to like the Virtual Boy, like if you know anything about the Virtual Boy, uh, or even if you don't, and you're just like, oh, like Nintendo made this weird, like kind of, you know, virtual reality-esque, but not really, and it's all in red. And it's like, what, what was they even the thinking behind that? It, again, this will go into exhaustive detail over all that. So, um, 
And in regards to like the Game Boy, it'll certainly go into exhaustive detail as far as like, you know, how it basically progressed from the Game & Watch effectively to the Game Boy. And, you know, as far as like making the Game Boy kind of like a cheaper alternative to handheld gaming, um, I'd say probably like the only other cheaper alternative really uh, than the Game Boy were like the Tiger Electronic Toys. And that came out like afterwards and they had like their own success, obviously, but the Game Boy had like, that kind of like sweet spot really of being affordable and still having quality gaming attached to it um you know so i would say that and also you know looking back on like you know again how impactful the game boy was which goes back to your point of like why nintendo doesn't show the original game boy um as much love in terms of like their retro you know retro consoles and all that um because yeah it, it did have like such an impact on the industry and it was one of those things like not not seen since like the wii I'd say that non-gamers embraced a gaming console like the Game Boy. I mean, there's that famous picture um, that like a lot of people might know of uh, Hillary Clinton on a plane playing Tetris on the Game Boy. It's like Hillary Clinton of all people playing Tetris on Game Boy. So, I mean, like it just goes to show like, again, how, how impactful it was on society. I remember just after the Game Boy came out, but before I could get my hands on one, uh, it was, there was maybe a five month space in there. Um, I was on a plane and there was a gentleman next to me who had a Game Boy and like two of the launch titles. I think it was like Mario, baseball, or it was Tetris, baseball, and tennis. And I just loved being able to swap between the two. And I, I remember feeling this was something so advanced. And I think a lot of us kind of had that idea that it was a very advanced piece of technology. And only in retrospect do we realize it wasn't, not even at the time. <laughs> it was just technology that was able to get by it cheap and in bulk. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, like that whole idea of being able to kind of swap out games um, like it wasn't it wasn't invented by the Game Boy, but it, mm -hmm. it certainly took the idea and like really, really ran with it again in a very affordable package. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of the big thing, because I think for a lot of people, since that whole idea of being able to have like a device that you can swap out games for, um, you know, was kind of new enough to them that a lot of people treated it like a Tetris machine, you know, almost like you have like a Pong machine, like from, you know, back in the seventies or whatever, um, you know, you, you, like a lot of people got treated it that way, but then they realized it's like, oh, there's Super Mario Land or there's like uh, whatever that breakout game was like with Mario. Alleyway. Yeah. Alleyway. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like you had all sorts of like, you know, games like that, um, you know, which really bolstered the library and certainly much later on, say with games like Link's Awakening, uh, really defined what the Game Boy was for a lot of people. Um, and it showed like the lasting power of that console too, because like, it, you know, it lasted for so long and stayed relevant for so long too, uh, longer than uh, I would say most consoles do in general. So um, yeah, no, it's, it's really cool to see like just the progression of it. And, uh, you know, again, this book will just go into exhaustive detail as far as like how that all uh, came about and uh, Nintendo's thinking behind it. Yeah, it, you could really get a feel for if you look at early titles versus later titles, there was a, definitely a, a, a progression of thought behind what a Game Boy game was. The very first three or four years of titles, they were intentionally very quick experiences. They were even the platformers that could have had multiple worlds. Mario Land is four worlds. Mm -hmm. it, it's like half of Super Mario Brothers. And, the, you know, the Ninja Turtle game was short. The games that you could have had very long experiences on on the NES, they deliberately cut in half. And then toward the end of it, they have RPGs. They have simulation games. It's like we're getting the idea that people will just suck themselves into this for hours at a time, and they want that experience. Totally, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, you're, de- yeah, you're definitely hitting it right on the head. I mean, it's just, you know, like obviously there are like technology restraints as far as uh, having games be that short, but that was okay as well. Cause like, you know, it's just having like something on the go. And again, considering the fact that the game boy did allow you to swap games, you could bring like a, uh, you know, I remember uh, my neighbor had um, uh, is like where I kind of got like a lot of my original game boy experience from. Cause like, you know, he had one, he had all the accessories for it, you know, and uh, he had his little uh, Game Boy suitcase that was shaped like a giant Game Boy. I'm sure like a lot of people who are Game Boy aficionados know what I'm talking about. Um, that is basically like a little Game Boy suitcase for all your games and accessories and all that stuff. So he made sure to have all that because, yeah, he had like the big like, you know, screen, like the magnifying uh, glass thing they had in front and like little speakers that fold out. Um, it was a wild time. <laughs> like, accessories were a big deal with the Game Boy. Accessories, yeah, yeah. Nintendo loves their accessories in general. Uh, you know, as, as like a lot of people know throughout their history. But, um, but yeah, the Game Boy, I feel like, is where like that first exploded. <laughs> really, you know, so uh, yeah, it's was, it was really really cool. And then, yeah, again, like just the progression of games. I mean, going from Tetris to something like Link's Awakening, which is certainly a lot more complex of a game. Um, it really did kind of bring like almost like a, a link to the past like experience, but on the go. And that was like a huge deal for a lot of people. And it also just so happened to be one of the best Legend of Zelda games of all time, too. It uh, did. It very much did. Yeah, that was the game that actually made me buy my switch because I love that game so much. that with the second I said they're remaking it, I need that system. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I'd avoided getting a switch until then. And that changed my <laughs> mind overnight. Everyone always has like their killer app or whatever for your forever console. Uh, for me, it was the uh, Mario and Rabbids game on Switch because um, I am a big, yeah, because I'm I'm a big like tactics fan and XCOM fan, and I was just like, oh, it's Mario XCOM, but like you know, it's got that Nintendo flair to it, or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, like the, the 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 Link's Awakening remake was absolutely incredible. I remember I got to play like an early version of that in uh, PAX West when it was uh, being first shown and um, it was just like, yeah, definitely keeping this on my radar. This is like looking really good. So, yeah. So does get book gets into the original Game Boy. Does it touch the Game Boy Color or Game Boy Advance at all? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, again, I don't have, you know, I haven't had the text in front of me, so I can't like, you know, confirm absolutely. But uh, I believe there there is going to be some talk on like the Game Boy variants that came after the original. Um, although this will be absolutely dedicated to the OG Game Boy and what, what you know, again, what went behind it, the technology, all that stuff. I think that's fair because I, people will follow the Game Boy through the color and the advanced line, and those are very worthy systems in their own right. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be a certain that original aesthetic, that original model was so influential that everything else feels like a, I don't want to say a, a lesser sequel, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can definitely see that what came first really made the most impact. I mean, the original Game Boy obviously is so steeped in pop culture. I mean, you would see it in anything even outside of gaming, like in movies, TV shows, whatnot, like anything that kind of shows like, you know, that time basically uh, of like gaming. And for sure, you're going to see a Game Boy. I mean, I remember looking back on old childhood photos and um, sure enough, there's like a kid in my group of friends and like someone has a Game Boy in <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all just like trying to take pictures and stuff. So uh, it, just, it just showed how, how much it was attached to uh, pop culture and, uh, you know, it's staying power really uh, in that era. Yeah. At the you mentioned the Game Boy it had this incredible lifespan. It was released in 89, if I remember correctly. Uh, yes. 89. And mm-hmm. it was around the Game Boy Color was finally released in 98. So that's about a decade. Mm-hmm. And yep. 
the Game Boy Color was replaced by the Game Boy Advance in like 2001. 2000, 2001. So that's like... I, so. I remember it was early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. 10 years and then a four-year stint. And then this, it's, the Wii U lasted longer than that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, I have no disrespect for the Game Boy Color, but in Game Boy history, it is this weird middle child. And then the Game Boy Advance gets this reputation for being only ports, which it kind of was, but it kind of... There was some darn good original games for that system too. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'll, I'll also be, uh, you know, uh, like full disclosure, I owned a Game Boy Color myself. I never owned the original Game Boy. Again, like a lot of my original Game Boy experience came from my neighbor and I went over to his house all the time and we played his Game Boy games, uh, including that awful Spider-Man game. If anyone remembers uh, Spider-Man on the, on the original Game Boy, that was rough. <laughs> You know, but um, but yeah, we we you know, we, ha- we have like a lot of like fun memories with that one. Um, yeah, in terms of like the Game Boy Color, I mean, I, I did love it. I mean, like you know, I had the Super Mario, uh, was it Super Mario Brothers Deluxe? I believe it was yeah. called, mm-hmm. and um, it had actually like a built-in calendar in that game. And I actually used that calendar because remember, this is like before iPhones and all that stuff, and any sort of like mm-hmm. any sort of like PDA system or whatever, you know. And um, yeah, like you know, I I used it to actually like manage my schedule as a kid, basically. It's like go play at this kid's house like a Mario, you know. And um, the Tetris DX was also really cool, you know, was, was also really cool too. So I mean, like it was really good, but like it just it just kind of felt like a slight upgrade from what people were already enjoying, and people just held on to their original Game Boys because those things are built like tanks. They don't make mm-hmm. game consoles like that anymore. You know, it's just like a big brick. Like you can use it as a weapon if someone breaks into your house or something, you know? Um, and even, and you know, and I'll also mention real quick too, uh, if you go to the uh, Nintendo store over, over in New York, uh, they have a Game Boy that survived the Gulf War. Like it, it, it was, uh, it was um, some soldier's Game Boy and uh, their base was like, you know, got like bombed or, or something that got like attacked. So it's all like kind of charred up but it still works and like it's on display at, at the uh, Nintendo New York store with um, you know, with Tetris still playing on it and everything like on loops. So it, it's just really cool. Like, you know, again, how they made that. And, you know, again, you'll learn all that in this book. So <laughs> we talked earlier about the accessories. The one I was familiar with and what seemed like everybody had was the newbie case and mm. newbie was the company that made, it was a system, a case that could hold, one system and four games in their case and it was this hard plastic and it was like this really really ruggedized plastic it was like the ancestor of the pelican case we have now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the, the irony was that the system was probably more durable than the case even with that <laughs> i mean the the case could take a bullet and the system would still probably outlive it anyway 100 percent. yeah yeah, yeah. it's almost like the reverse of a um the reverse of like a bulletproof vest or something, you know, <laughs> like, like this won't work, but you'll still be fine. So, you know, um, yeah, like the newbie, uh, the newbie accessories. Uh, yeah, I, I do remember that. And, um, you know, and like, you know, basically everything that they made for, cause I remember there was like the newbie, uh, little kind of light as well. Cause obviously with the game boy for anyone who, who grew up with the game boy, you'll know if you were in road trips in the back seat and you're going through, um, you know, you're driving at night or whatever, it's almost impossible to play the game unless you have some sort of light source. And mm-hmm. uh, there's like that, um, there's kind of like a funny meme, like where, um, you know, like only, only like, a, what was it only like 90s kids know if you're 
playing a Game Boy in the back seat, and the only light source you're getting are from like the uh, was it the street lights, like as you're yep. going through and everything. Um, like the struggle was real back then. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like all those accessories uh, will actually be very, uh, you know, very exhaustively looked over uh, in this book as well, which is really cool. Like you know, th- there's like no stone unturned effectively when it comes to the Game Boy and the Virtual Boy with the set. So. Uh, yeah, you're, you're going to hear all about newbie. You're going you're, you're to hear all about all those like, you know, Game Boy accessories and, uh, you know, anything that came out for the Virtual Boy as well, uh, you know, which, uh, you know, albeit very small, but like it's, uh, you know, it's still really cool and it'll be the most exhaustive guide you'll have for that. The ver- the accessories are really valuable there because like there's a lot of information on the games out there. It's scattered throughout the web, but if you Google enough, you will find it. But mm-hmm. I've had a lot of trouble finding information on some of the accessories like I just pick one example, the work boy, mm. um, yeah. which didn't come out. So it, it's fair that we didn't actually get a whole lot of information, but it was teased quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I believe the work boy will be included in this because there will be stuff in the book that, you know, will cover stuff that hasn't been like actually like released uh, in the public. Um, you know, again, it's going to be very exhaustive. So it's, it's going to be. Um, it will be covering everything that has come out and hasn't and you know even like cancel games too like like they'll be covered in this book too so um yeah it's it's gonna be really really cool like when people get this in their hands and and they're just gonna be like yeah like everything that i know about and even don't know about uh because i can guarantee you there will be something new that you'll learn about uh in this book uh even if you are like the biggest like Game Boy historian, uh, Game Boy aficionado, or or or, or, um, or the Virtual Boy as well. Uh, there will there will be at least one thing, one nugget of information. I'd be like, huh, I didn't know that. So yeah. Well, I, as soon as I've heard about this, I went back to Kickstarter. Where can other people do this? Because there should still be time to back this Kickstarter when this episode hits the web. Totally. Yeah. Um, in fact, I will double check right now. Let me just pull up. Uh, <laughs> just pull up the Kickstarter right now and see where we're at. Um, Twenty-one days ago, as of this recording, um, and we had a goal of like just, just over forty thousand. We're currently over sixty-three thousand. Um, so yeah, like uh, you definitely have uh, you know, again as of this recording, you have uh, three weeks to go. Um, yeah, if you can back it, that'd be great. If you could share it, also great. Um, and yeah, just like let, let everyone who you think would appreciate, uh, you know, basically an exhaustive historical look at the Game Boy and the Virtual Boy. Uh, know about this project because um, yeah, there's there's going to be something here for everyone uh, who who appreciates these consoles. I'm going to make sure all that information goes in the show notes on my website, AaronBosick.com. David, where can people follow your personal adventures and any other projects you might be working on? Sure. Um, so you can find me on uh, on Twitter and on Instagram at the Guilty Man. So it's D A G I L T Y M A N. And uh, you can also find my voiceover website since I do voiceover as well, uh, among the several other things I do <laughs> um, at davidsaysthats.com. So you can basically find all my reels and all my basically voiceover work on there. But um, otherwise, as far as I kind of keeping uh, the most up-to-date tabs, uh, I'd say like, you know, Twitter is uh, the, you know, the best way to go. And Instagram is where you'll find, uh, you know, photo and video adventures. <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for doing this. I would love to have you back anytime, and I can't wait to read the book and maybe share some insights with you. Absolutely. Yeah, I super appreciate it, Aaron, and uh, thanks for having me on. Likewise. Take good care. I would like to thank David for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. 
In the past few episodes, I gave some time to the Sci-Fi Coffee Company's writing contest, Coffee Lifts Creatives, that they ran through the past month. And that contest has now closed its submissions. However, it's still a really great idea to go and check it out. Why? Because the whole reason that this company is awesome is not just because they make a great coffee, but because they are sponsoring new voices in the sci-fi community. This podcast is about lifting up people who are trying to say something in the fandom who might not know what the path is to do that. The Sci-Fi Coffee Company is saying not only are you somebody who can make a great sci-fi story, but we're going to help you out with that. We're going to offer incentives. What they're doing now is they're going to be posting and publicizing the people who entered their contest. They're going to be lifting them up. The coffee lifts the creatives. Go to their website, sci-fi-coffee.com. Check out the stories. And if you want to buy some coffee while you're there, you can use the coupon code HUNGRY, as in Hungry Trilobite, to get some money off. Don't forget you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much any podcast platform you want. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.